Hello friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministry, and we're getting ready to have Church on the Road. Hey, we're bringing a church to you right where you're at, in the cab. And we do it in a lot of different ways. We have a radio program, LonesomeRoadRadio.com. We have podcasts. We have CD ministry. We also have a telephone conference line. So log on to LonesomeRoad.org for our podcast and to order some of our CDs. And if you'd like to listen in on our conference line, we get together every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Mountain Time, and 3 p.m. Pacific Time. Just dial this number, 727-731-5062. So buckle up and come right along with us. We're going to have church on the road. I'm driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two chrome stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue mag Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day that I die I said hey The Road Is My Life, and that's a song that uh, Dennis McKay helped me do down there at his studio, 115A, down in Mac Records in Columbus, Mississippi. 
Uh, Dennis is a very talented guy and a partner with us here at Lonesome Road Ministry. And speaking of partners, I've got a new partner, Fred <laughs> Mooney. He has uh, joined us in our In the Cab program. <laughs> it's good to be in the cab. Yeah. Well, Fred, we really enjoy you and, and uh, appreciate you joining the team. Uh, Fred's uh, been a part of Lonesome Road Ministry ever since 2002 when uh, I came to Orchardville Church, and Fred was my Sunday school teacher, and he was uh, doing uh, sound uh, up there and playing the drums. He was a very, very active guy, and, and he kind of took me under his wing and helped me with some of my editing errors that I was doing. So Fred has been helping me ever since 2002. Uh, Fred has a unique ministry that he's involved in. Fred, tell him about your ministry. So kind of introduce yourself to the to our listening audience. All right. I have a most unusual ministry. It's called Fred and His Feathered Friends. And I present the gospel with uh, a flock of tropical birds. I use macaws, Amazons, grays, all types of exotic birds, and uh, present the ABCs of the gospel with these birds. And it has taken me... Well, within a four hours drive all over the place, because uh, I haven't found a hotel that likes birds yet. <laughs> but uh, it's it's quite a unique ministry. I uh, I first got started in our children's church, and I took an African gray, and I spoke on the sheep knows the master's voice. And I asked a little boy to try to get the bird to talk, and I knew the bird wouldn't talk for him. And then the bird talked for me. But the amazing thing I seen was all those children was glued upon me. And when ministering to children, number one, you have to get their attention, and then you have to keep it. And it's worked out really good. We've been doing it for 21 years now, and we really enjoy bringing the gospel and using God's beautiful creations, these wonderful tropical parrots. That's pretty amazing, Fred. Uh God has had us, us both on that ministry path, running down different roads, but intertwining all the time together, working together, and uh, you have a unique ministry, and, and it's so simple, uh, presenting the gospel. If we could just figure out how to do this on radio, we'd have us a new program. <laughs> I said I had a face for radio. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hear you there. So do I, so... <laughs> We better get on with the program here. These drivers are probably wanting to hear a, a song by, who would you like to hear a song by, Fred? How about James Payne? James Payne, I'll tell you. James Payne has had over, well, I hate to say it because every time I say it, it changes. He's had over 70 number one songs. So we're going to put on a number one song by our good friend, James Payne. <laughs> Shut our churches down Protesting riots burning town after town Altars are empty and our prison's full today Enough is enough, we can't go on this way We need a move of God Need a Holy Ghost revival Need to get back to the Bible Remember what we forgot, we need a move of God Start living like the chosen Start blessing and start sowing Take back what the devil stole on We need a move 
think of how it used to be and how it is right now. We used to shout and testify, sing the glory down. Souls crying at the altar, repenting of their sins. I think we need to get back to what we had back then. We need a move of God. We need a Holy Ghost revival. We need to get back to the Bible. Remember what we forgot. We need a move of God. Start living like the chosen. Start blessing and start sowing. Take back what the devil's stolen. We need a move of God. From the White House to the church house, from the pulpit to the pew, we need a move of God. It starts with me and you. and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will reach down and heal their land. Listen, he sent revival to Ezekiel's graveyard. What he did was, he can do again. Church, we need a move of God. Need a Holy Ghost revival. Need to get back to the Bible. Remember what we forgot. We need a move of God. Start blessing and start sowing Take back what the devil's stolen We need a move of God We need a move of God Yes, friends, that's James Payne And we do need a move of God And that's what our message is going to be all about tonight And it's by Chaplain Richard Turnbow Richie Turnbow And what a great message he preached on our conference line Here's uh, Chaplain Richie Turnbow. I'm going to go ahead and get started in this. Uh, guys, I do have a lot to say tonight. Uh, God has given me quite a bit to uh, speak to you tonight. Uh, but first, I want to let Gary know that I appreciate him for filling in for me last month when I could, could not be there. And it was a uh, pleasure to speak with him for, the, for that 40, 45 minutes that we were able to talk and and he just revealed a lot of stuff about his ministry that I did not know. You know, the, the purchasing of the church and all the remodeling and all the needs that it had and, and how those needs come to be met. And that's through obedience. I kept telling him that over and over. It's through obedience. Obedience, obedience is better than sacrifice. And because of that obedience, he's put his, he's put his nose to the grindstone and he put his uh, hands on the plow and has not turned back to look. And God's blessing him. And we got to keep doing the same thing. Once we put our hands to that plow and say yes to Jesus, there's no turning back. We got to keep going forward. Uh, this message, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you guys, this this message is gonna be a little blunt tonight. Okay, so if you have a religious spirit about you or you're easily offended, I'm gonna go ahead and encourage you right now to hang up. And if you feel like you need to listen to the recording later, then go ahead. But if you are offended, go ahead and hang up now. Because this message does have a rating, and it, it is for a mature audience. Mature audience. Now, God was leading me, I felt, last month to, to preach on encouraging the men on how they can be not just a good man, but a godly man. And I felt like God was wanting me to do that again this go-round. And I kept praying, and I kept seeking, and speaking to my friends, and kept telling them, hey, look, I, I just, I don't, that's what I want to do. But I don't think God's leading me that way. So God has pushed me back in this direction, and I'm going to let him speak. I'm going to let his Holy Spirit speak through me 
as I give you the word tonight. We are living in perilous times. If you have not noticed that, I encourage you to crawl out from the rock that you've been living in and peek your head out and look around. We are living in perilous times. Uh, we Since 2015 to 2022, we have had 19,000 people shot and killed in mass murders. 146 mass shootings has happened in the United States just this year, and it is not July yet. But I want to go ahead and say this much. It's not a gun issue. It is a heart issue. Cain killed his brother Abel, but he didn't have a gun. He had an issue in his heart. And it's his heart issue is what causes men to cause violence towards other men. It's not a gun issue. It's a heart issue. I want to go ahead and say that we have right now over 2 million people in our prison systems. And I find it funny that when we take God out of our schools and the devil shows up and kills our children, everybody's in shock and awe. Christianity itself has declined by 73% since 1976. The LGBT has increased by 7.1% since 2021. There are over 1,000 hate groups in America, 1,000 of them. And in all 195 countries of this planet, there are some form of hate groups there also. In other words, men have filled their heart with iniquity and hatred. And if we remember back in Genesis, we remember what happened the last time, that men's hearts would fill with violence, and God got sick of it. So I want to speak to you tonight on a topic, when the cup is full. When the cup is full. Now, in Genesis chapter 15, we open up the scriptures in verse 12, where it reveals to us the man named Abram, which later became Abraham, the father of many nations. And God was dealing with him to open up and increase his blessings in Abraham's life. So if you would, have some, re some reverence for the reading of the word as we start in Genesis 15, verse 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve I will judge uh, does anybody remember the ten plagues of Egypt? And afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. Listen, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now, this is the part of Scripture that I want you to hang on to tonight. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. 
So what does the Scripture mean when it says, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full? God, let me make it a little more clear. If I could draw you a picture by using Scripture, I would take you to Psalm 75, verse 8, that says, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is full of mixture, and he poureth out the same. But the dregs thereof, and all the wicked of the earth, shall wring them out and drink them. So we see a picture of God holding a cup. We see the phrase that the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. From these words, we learn that there is a certain level of iniquity that nations may arrive before they are judged by God and ultimately destroyed, and beyond which divine justice does not permit them to pass. In other words, when the cup is full. Now the Amorites were one of the chief nations who dwelt in the land of Canaan, up in the high places, the summits. They were mountaineers. In other words, they were Canaanite hillbillies. But after the conquest of Canaan by the children of Israel, nothing of any importance was ever heard again from the Amorites. But the scripture does tell us that the Amorites were descendants of Nimrod. How many of us remember Nimrod and the Tower of Babel? Nimrod in the Hebrew means rebel. And we know that Nimrod was the kind of king that would shake his very finger in the face of Almighty God. But he was a rebellious king, and he lorded over rebellious people. And the Amorite king, whose name was Sahan, his name meant big mouth. So we have a big mouth that came from a group of rebels. And he was in league with two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's clear from reading Bible history that God eventually deals with nations who fill their cup with iniquity. The judgment of God against such nations has always been sure and certain. And I have scriptures to back that up tonight. Psalms 9, 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. So this God of mercy and grace that we love and adore, that we talk about and praise continually, is also the God of judgment. Let me read to you in Matthew uh, chapter 12 what Jesus says. He says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. In Noah's day, the entire world, some estimate some 20 million people, perished with the exception of Noah and his family because these people filled their cup with iniquity to the absolute brim. And God destroyed them with a flood. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. God destroyed the Hittites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Amalekites. God was prepared to destroy Nineveh, but they repented. God destroyed the Girgashites. God made instructions to Israel about the Amorites. He said, make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons. Do not take their sons into your house. 
for they will turn your sons away from following me, and they will serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars. Smash their sacred stones. Cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols with fire. Do not leave alive anything that has breath. Completely destroy them as the Lord your God has commanded you. Or otherwise they will teach you to follow all the detestable things they do and worshiping their gods. And you will sin against the Lord your God. Do I have to tell anyone tonight that is on this line that God detests sin? Well, people say in this day, in this culture, during this age especially, well, that doesn't sound like the God of grace. That doesn't sound like the God of mercy that I hear people preach about on television. The God that forgives sin and forgives our past. What you're talking about is just Old Testament judgment. Well, then let me turn to Second Peter in the New Testament in chapter 2. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved into judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. So let me tell you guys tonight, the God of grace is equally the God of judgment. These nations and cultures had filled their cups with iniquity until they were full to the brim, and God judged them for their sins. For the Amorites, God gave them 400 years. God gave them 400 years to straighten out as they continually filled their cup of iniquity. And I wonder tonight, how many years will it take for America to fill her cup? For America is filling her cup. Listen, guys, I could preach all night long and never be able to number the sins that we are committing in America every day in the sight of God as a nation. Now, I know where we have come from. I know where we have been established. I have read the history books, and I celebrate the freedoms that were birthed from a desire to worship God without any kind of governmental restrictions. And I celebrate the freedoms that our men and women of service fought and died to give us. And although there are those in our nation, especially on Capitol Hill, that would love to rewrite history, this nation was founded on the people's right to worship God. But in the most recent times, we have escalated in our amount of sin and iniquity. And just to mention a few tonight, and to give this illustration, I'm going to start out first of all, we are filling our cup with the sin of abortion. I am thankful to God that the Roe versus Wade was overturned. But we have passed laws in the past that gave protection to the murderers who engaged in these savage acts of butchery. And we tried to sugarcoat the horror of these acts by referring to them with innocent-sounding terminologies like pro-choice and a woman's rights. 
to choose, draping over our crime some way and trying to say that it's okay. We're protecting the mother's life. But may I quote a stat to you guys tonight that less than 1% of all abortions are performed to protect the mother's life. Less than 1%. What about the 99? We are filling our cup with the blood of innocent babies. We are also filling our cup with the iniquities of fornication and adultery. And even though it is glamorized in Hollywood, this nation has gone crazy over sex. This is a grievous sin in the eyes of the Lord. Scriptures warns us again and again and again of the sins of sexual impurities. Ephesians chapter 5, but fornication. And all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Hebrews 13 and 4 says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, in other words, men with men. Now God has created us to be reproductive beings, he has sanctioned sex between a man and a woman within the holy vows of matrimony, within the institution of marriage alone. But when we break the laws of God and allow sexual impurities to run rapid in our culture, then we are guilty of filling our cup of iniquity even more. Let me add in the sin of covetousness. Covetousness. How long has it been since you've heard a message from any pulpit about the sin of covetousness? But in Romans chapter 1, verse 29, it says, Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers. Chaplains, it talks about covetousness right up there with murder and fornication and adultery. First Timothy 6 and 9 says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation, and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in per destruction and perdition, meaning that they are always wanting something else that somebody has or wanting something that they cannot achieve. When people have an income but never enough money, the root and the cause of their problem is covetousness. Always wanting and desiring something that they can't have. Covetousness or greedy people are always, always in a financial bind. Then let me go on to fill our cup even more with our judicial system. Guys, these truly are perilous times that we are living in. Isaiah 59 and 14 says, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. 
So as Isaiah caught a glimpse of these wicked nations, he saw that justice would stand afar off, for truth has fallen in the street, and equity would not enter. In other words, a day when judgment is in reverse, a day when justice has been left in the pages of our past, a day when truth has fallen in the street and has blocked equity. May I tell you tonight, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, our Supreme Court will one day answer to a supreme being. Every decision that they make that is in defiance of God, the holy word of God that we have, the word of God that made this country great is filling the cup of iniquity even fuller. That means that we're going to be moving towards judgment faster and faster as we continue to fill that cup. Then there is the grievous sin of homosexuality. Now I know there are even pulpits today that dance around this. And some that approve of it. But according to the Bible... There is no escaping the truth of it. It is still a sin. Now, some people think that this sin has somehow over a period of time evolved into being a not sin. The generations that have came have somehow molded into our culture this act as not being a sin. Matter of fact, it's more accepted today more than it ever has. We cannot turn on our televisions today without seeing same-sex marriages. Most television programs have openly gay and lesbian characters. And we watch this until we become numb and just accept it as the normal day culture. I can't help but think about the days of Judges. And in the last chapter, in the last verse of Judges, they sum up their wickedness. Judges 21, 25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. This culture has systematically removed the name of Jesus until they have no king. And every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. And by doing so, they have disregarded the words of the wisest king in Israel, Solomon himself who said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. But guys, if this is true, that homosexuality has evolved into a non-sin, then why have not other sins evolved the same way? Stealing was a sin in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and it's still a sin today. You can be prosecuted for stealing. Lying is a sin. Murder is still a sin. Adultery is still a sin. Men, if you don't think so, go to court with a charge of adultery and see what that judge does to you. You might just leave there with a shirt on your back, and that's it. Robbery is still a sin. It hasn't evolved into a non-sin. Well, some say, well, that, that's just an Old Testament thing. May I remind you from the very beginning of the Word of God. In the days of Abraham, God says homosexuality is a sin 
He said it all the way through the pages of the Old Testament. He said it again all the way through the pages of the New Testament. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Maps, homosexuality is a sin, and it continues to be a sin because God has never changed his mind. Now, I know that as Christians, we are labeled as homophobic and that we hate homosexuals. Nothing could be further from the truth. We don't hate people who steal. We don't hate people who lie. We don't hate homosexuals. We don't hate adulterers. We love them with the love of the Lord, but we don't love their sin. But we love them enough to show them a, a better life in the Lord, where peace and love and purity and holiness and completeness abounds. Are you listening to me tonight? Our Lord Jesus is a deliverer. Our Lord has the power to deliver. He has the power to de deliver from a drunkard's bottle, deliver from a junkie's needle, deliver from every stronghold of the devil, deliver from the powers of Satan. It's not in the power of our skills or gifts or, or our ability or our might, but the power of his might. I've never seen a devil or disease he couldn't cast out. Let me remind you guys tonight that when Jesus walked this earth, every sickness, every disease, every infirmity, every evil spirit had to bow at his might. Even death had to surrender to his will. He has never been backed in a corner. The devil has never got the best of him. When Jesus walked in the spirit of power, every cancer, every deaf ear, every blind eye, every lame foot, every crazed mind had to bow their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the best way to help a sinner is not to agree with them or join up with them but to love them enough to tell them there's a better way to live your life, which leads to eternal life. That God has something better for them. But it starts with repentance and trusting in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, guys, I researched some of the nation's top 100 trial lawyers that gave me some very valuable information. Homosexuality is not a genetic condition that many in our culture want to claim that it is. In other words, you cannot be born that way. There is not one study, not one case in medical science, absolutely no medical proof that homosexuality is genetically imposed. Matter of fact, we know that in the beginning of scriptures, that God created every species, male and female, so that they could reproduce which means same-sex relationships are sterile and cannot reproduce and are not of God. So it all comes down to a matter of choice. Just like any other sin, it's a matter of the will. Then we are still filling our cups with the sin of iniquity like lying. Oh, Lord, how long has it been since we've heard a sermon from any pulpit about lying? The sin of lying gets little attention from the pulpits these days. But it has not escaped the attention of God Almighty. Our culture these days tolerates lying with a smile. It seems to be acceptable and promoted as necessary sometimes. 
just a part of everyday life here in America, especially from our leaders in Washington. They have made lying an art form. I have never before in all my life seen so many scandals and cover-ups from those who are leading our nation. And I am through with scandal-ridden politicians who think they're going to get my vote. And I'm going to go ahead and step out here on a political limb for just a moment and tell you as the child of the living God, we better think twice about putting anyone in office that has lied and deceived their way into power. Well, why would you say that, preacher? Well, let me just go ahead and tell you. God still looks at lying just like he has always looked at the liar. Don't forget that God will judge the liar. Revelation 21, it says, but the fearful... The unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And don't expect to find any liars in heaven, because the Bible also says that there shall no wise enter to it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh an abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. May I tell you guys tonight that there will be no liars in God's kingdom. There will be no liars standing in that glory world. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those who have committed themselves to speak the truth in love. My list is so long tonight. In so many ways our nation has offended God. We have kicked God out of our public schools. And we have replaced Christianity with the false teaching of evolution. A wall of protection has been built around this failed theory to shield it from nearly all criticisms, especially in the public sector. Our children are indoctrinated with this false religion against the wishes of many of our American parents. Many young people today are turning away from God because they wrongly believe that evolutionism has proven the Bible wrong, nothing could be further from the truth. Through this tolerant movement that we are in, where political correctness rules, we have embraced and even elevated false gods in this country, false prophets. Many religions have joined together in simultaneously mocking the true God of the Bible and persecuting God's people. Occult practices are running rampant. Our society is obsessed with entertainment and sports. The liberal secular news media and public school systems frequently attack biblical truths and principles. And it's because the majority of the reporters and editors and op-ed authors are clueless when it comes to God and the Bible and any kind of relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. For the most part, God is ignored in the mainstream secular media and in the entertainment industry. Biblical morality that was once taught in our public schools is now ignored altogether. Premarital sex is running rampant, and it leaves us with fatherless homes. In fact, many single mothers up front intentionally state they're not going to get married to the father because they don't feel the need of a husband to properly raise their child. Again, nothing could be further from the truth. Our courts think that they have the upper hand and the right to define the institutions of marriage and the other institutions that have existed since Adam and Eve. 
to redefine what God intended for the family to be. Now stay-at-home moms are mocked and thought to be out of touch with the ways that the modern woman should be living her life. Corporal punishment and discipline, which is strongly supported in the Scriptures, is being attacked by the liberal secular psychologist communities and the liberal media as being cruel and unusual punishment. The results we are left with is children that are disrespectful towards their parents and other authority figures and have become commonplace in our nation. Divorce rates are high. Political correctness has poisoned our nation. God commands that the fathers be godly spiritually and leaders of their homes, but very few are. Most fathers today do very little to teach and admonish their children in the ways of God. But instead, they seem to dump that responsibility on an already overburdened wife or give that responsibility to the church, and the job is never done. The church and its pastors and elders are supposed to be our frontline defense from these kinds of problems that our nations are going through, but many of them are AWOL. Where is the church in the midst of all this wickedness? When perilous times have come, when there is destruction on every hand, where? is the church God is warning America through the example of the prophet Haggai and God shows us by example that he has a red line that he will not allow you to cross it you cannot continue to trample over the blood of Jesus Christ in the second chapter of the book of Haggai it says in the fourth and twentieth day in the ninth month in the second year of Darius came the word of the Lord by the Haggai the prophet saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No. Then Haggai said, If one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so it is every work of their hands, and they which offer there is unclean. My friends, listen, there comes a time and a place when the cup is full and God says it's enough. And you have to ask yourself tonight as God-fearing people of the church of the living God, when is the cup going to run over and spill upon the righteous hand of God? When is it so full that it will not hold anymore? And the wickedness and the abominations rises up into the nostrils of Almighty God. That is the reality of where we are at this hour. But thank God, guys, there is two sides to this reality. You see, the one side that I have been preaching on for the last 30 minutes looks hopeless. It looks gloomy. It's filled with despair. It looks like it's all over. It looks like there's no answer. It looks like there's no way out. And to beat all that, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Wherefore God also gave them up into uncleanness through their lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, 
For this cause God gave them up into vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use that is in which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one towards another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Chaplains, we are living in that time that Paul told Timothy about. Perilous times. Perilous times, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient, disobedient to parents, and unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power of, from such turn away, Paul said, from such turn away, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, guys, I know we are living in a dark and uncertain place, but there is two sides to this present reality. And the side that I want to tell you about right now is walking alongside the dark in a simultaneous manner. But this side is filled with hope. This side has a bright tomorrow. And this side has the answer to the dilemma. This side provides the way that cannot fail. And I'm going to tell you this, this afternoon what this side is all about. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. <laughs> now I like to say it this way. Our setback is a setup for a comeback. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but obtained salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the world is always going to be the world. But the church is going to be the church. We are standing on a solid rock, a place that cannot be moved. And even though we live in the darkness of this hour, we are not focused on the darkness. We are focused on the revealed light of Jesus Christ, which is the answer to this dilemma that we are in. Now I want to tell you guys something that I love about God. And you'll find it with me in Second Peter chapter 2. It opens up and tells us about Lot, who God delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah. He was vexed of the filthy conversation of the wicked. Let's read it together. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. And can I tell you this man, Lot, is no different than we are today. It hurts my feelings that I can't watch television for more than ten minutes without being embarrassed or crushed in my spirit. You can't have a conversation out among the public anymore without hearing all kinds of foul language. People taking the name of the Lord in vain, talking filthy and lewd, and that's where, was, was where Lot was at. 
His soul was vexed by all the iniquities that was taking place. But I love verse 9 that we just read. Verse 9 says that the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly. I said the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly. We are in this world, ladies and gentlemen, but we are not of this world. Read Ephesians 2 with me. And you, that's you, sir, you, ma'am, hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ <laughs> and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus into good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The Bible also says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Chaplains, that means that we see things in a new way. That means that we hear things in a new way. That means we understand things in a new way. We understand that instead of fear, we are protected by God's love. The Bible says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And that's why I'm not going to worry about where the world is right now, chaplains. I could preach gloom and doom. We could see gloom and doom. We can watch America go to hell in a handbasket. Listen, I, I don't want it to go there. I'm praying for repentance, but I'm not going to slide into that group that is sliding into hell. There is another way, and his name is Jesus Christ, and God knows how to deliver the godly. I said God knows how to deliver his people. You see, when God sent a flood to judge the unrighteousness, he delivered Noah and his family when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he delivered Lot and his family. When God judged Egypt with plagues, he delivered Israel. When God judged Jericho, he delivered Rahab. When God judged the Assyrians, he delivered Hezekiah. When God wrote on the palace wall and judged Belshazzar, he promoted Daniel. When God judged tyrants who were bent on destroying Israel, he delivered his church. Hallelujah. God told Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Listen to me, guys. We are living in the last of the last days. The scripture says that there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. 
the seas and the waves roaring. Men's hearts fell in them with fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And when these things begin to come to pass. <laughs> Woo! Listen. I know we are living in trying times. We are living in perilous times. I know that we have been handed some decisions that are gut punches to the church. I know that we can become distraught and disturbed sometimes because we see America rushing down a hill at a pace that looks like we have no brakes to apply. But the Scripture says when these things come to pass, (laughs) look up for your redemption draweth nigh. So when it looks like it's all over, when it looks like it's hopeless, when it looks like we have no breaks to apply, the Lord still knoweth how to deliver the godly. And when things look bad and seems like we can't uh, apply a break to stop it, then let us hope in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. For we know in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, there's going to be a change. Oh, hallelujah. Gabriel is going to lick his lips, and the trump of God is going to sound. And the dead in Christ are going to rise. And and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And there shall we always be with the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. So God knows how to deliver his people. I said God knows how to deliver his people. So I'm not discouraged today. Because Jesus said, when I be lifted up, I'll draw all men into me. Now, we can't expect the world to lift up Jesus, can we? It's up, it's up to you and I. It's up to the born-again believers to lift up Jesus to the world. Listen, I'm still praying for revival and repentance for this nation. But I realize that revival and repentance is not going to happen in the world. Revival and repentance will happen in the church, God's people. The Bible says for us to benefit anything of God, we must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The world isn't diligently seeking God. So don't expect the world to lift up Jesus. In fact, the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world trying to put him down. Uh, Remove the name of Jesus systematically. So if the world isn't going to lift up Jesus, who's it left to? You and me. Lawson Road Ministries and all the other ministries that are connected. It's up to us. And we can't do that as long as we're huddled up in our sanctuaries, uh, Listen, I know we like the isolation and the protection we feel when we're gathered up in sanctuaries of our churches or gathered up on phone lines with one mind and one accord. But if we don't open our doors to the lost and dying world, how are they going to get the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Uh, Who else is going to lift up the name of Jesus on high? They're not going to hear the message in our schools. They're not going to hear the message in our colleges. They're not going to hear the message in our secular platforms. They will hear the message that Jesus saves uh, from the hearts and the lives of all believers. Father, I thank you for this time that you have allowed me to speak. Father, I thank you for the anointing that you have placed in my heart. 
Father, I know that these are perilous times. I know these are dangerous times. Father, I know the world seems like it's coming against us at all angles. But, Lord God, I know that you are there. And I know that you know how to deliver the godly. So, Father, I'm praying that we all have the strength and boldness, Lord God, that we could testify and witness the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, Lord God, put a strength and a boldness in us like we've never known, Lord God, that we could witness to all those who are lost, who are dying and going to hell. Father, we praise you for the God that you are. But, Father, we know that the, the, the harvest is ready and the labors are few. We're praying, Lord God, that you enrich the boundaries of these ministries, that, Lord God, we could reach further and further like we have never known. Father, there's so many that are hurting, and there's so many that are confused, and they don't know where to turn, and they watch all these things on television and the madness and the angers and the violence and all that they see. And, Lord God, all they need is you, your love, and your peace. Father, help us. Help us help ourselves. Father, I thank you again for this time, and I thank you for this ministry. And I thank you, Lord God, for all that you have done in your righteous right hand and in your healing in our prayer time. Father, I thank you, and I pray all of this, Lord God, in the blessed name of Jesus. night I dreamed I went to heaven and there I was shown the book of life I fell down on my knees for I knew my sins were many then written by An awesome sight Paid in full Paid in full Paid in full All of this one sees Have been covered by my blood Well, friends, we don't like to close any program without giving you the chance to ask Jesus Christ into your heart and to be your Lord and your Savior. So if you would like to do that, pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I just want to be a Christian. I want to give my heart to you. Take out my old heart and give me a new heart, Lord, and I will follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, friends, if you prayed that prayer and if you meant it with all your heart, then you give us a call right here at 618-383-2107. We want to pray for you, and we want to send you more material that will help you with your walk with Christ. And remember this, Jesus loves you, and we do too. And this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, and we'll talk at you later. Crossroads of life, 
Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Hey drivers, we appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab. And you can contact us at 618-383-2107 or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and check us out on the web. You can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page. So check it out. And if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, then give us a call and let us know. Broken hearted and been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree